Hey everybody, Mike here. I just wanted to make this really quick announcement apologizing for the less than perfect audio. We did have a couple of technical difficulties in the recording, but it still came out to be a cool interview that we wanted to share. I'm not gonna lie though, it was a little bit different, kind of reversing the roles and being the one interviewed. I don't know what it was, but for the first five minutes or so, I was kind of feeling the nerves, talking a little shaky, but once everything settled in, it became a really cool show. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's get it started. Hello and welcome to one of our weekend editions of the Modern Maker Podcast. And for the first time, we're doing it in person. Yes. Which is awesome. And on video. And on video. So for this episode, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. And we'd actually interview each other one-on-one. Now, originally we thought it was going to be all three of us in one place, but unfortunately... Chris got sick with the flu. (laughs) Uh, um, So, Chris, we hope you get better, even though you probably will be by the time this airs. So... We thought we'd take turns interviewing each other, and I'm going first, and just gonna ask Mike here a little few questions that I've always been wondering about his career, a little bit how he got started, and we figured since we had a different format, we could probably get a little bit different types of information out of each other, so. I think so, not to mention being in person kind of lends itself to that, maybe. Exactly, and well, and also to drinking, we are slightly hungover, so, but (laughs) we're powering through. Yeah, Um, and real quick, I'm gonna plug Obviously, if you're watching the video, you're already doing that. But if you're on the podcast app, like I mentioned, this is the first time we're recording video. So if you want to head over to the Modern Maker Podcast YouTube channel and check that out, uh, go do that. And if you're watching this, awesome. Yeah, give it a like. Let YouTube know it's good. All right. So let's get started. Um, so one of the first questions that I had is, what do your like high school classmates and sort of college classmates think of what you're doing right now? Um... <laughs> It was kind of funny. Uh, until you're successful at something, everyone wants to make fun of you for it. Yeah. In a way, right? And I'm sure you experienced that, experienced that too, being from like a professional architect right. to doing something that's not profitable. Right. At least to start. Yeah. So, yeah, there was kind of the going joke of Mike making YouTube videos, Mike making videos, all Mike, that kind of arts stuff. Arts and crafts. Yeah. Um, I think everyone thought the fact that I was making things was cool. Uh, at least where I'm from, that's obviously most people grow up like at least doing, at least being familiar with tools and stuff like that. So it's not like a, uh, it's not anything crazy that I was building stuff, but right. it was it was impressive to people. But I do think people thought it was silly that I was making videos uh, until you know I started making money, and then now, yeah. you know. So I mean that's interesting, right? So you you went to high school in Oklahoma City. Yeah. How big was your high school? A uh, couple hundred. Uh, graduating class. So a couple hundred for me is about the same size, right? Yeah. So what are what were most what are you like most of your classmates did? Like what percentage would you guess sort of like went to college versus like what kind of jobs were there or are there in like Oklahoma City? So I'm from Midwest City, which is a suburb of Oklahoma City. It's kind of all like one big kind mm-hmm. of metro area. So it's kind of just Oklahoma City to summarize it as a whole but midwest city is home to an air force base uh tinker air force base which is one of the things about it is it's it's one of the only bases with uh hangars big enough for like specific really huge planes and so it's kind of where i'm from is college is cool you can go to ou if like you're from like a richer family quote unquote richer you know what i mean um but for the most part a lot of people look to getting onto Tinker because it's kind of like a gravy train. You know, right. it's 
it's something I talked to you earlier about, but once you can get hired, it's almost impossible to get fired once you get kind of in there for a couple of years. There's uh, kind of scheduled uh, promotions, all that kind of stuff. It's, it really lays your kind of path out. Um, so for like the for like the reasonably got their stuff together people, it's like a good yeah, like it's middle it, class yeah the income stability, a little bit of upward mobility. Exactly, it's it's about mostly stability, I would say. But then again. Uh, like creativity isn't really fostered in schools it's not really something that's pushed a lot in general so there's not really much of an art scene there's not much of a uh, really creative scene in general and so doing anything creative is kind of tough luckily though I was able to uh, go to ACM which is a music school right I went there for production like I've talked about before and I was able to meet a few creative people which was the same time I was thinking about starting Modern Build. So whenever I was able to go there, be around other people, uh, kind of pursuing their passions, I mean, they were all uh, related to music, but being able to see that people are doing something other than going to school for law or trying to get on at Tinker or something like that, uh, seeing other people kind of pursue their passions made me think of what my passions were. And at the time, it was mostly music. I was playing music, recording music, and I thought that's what I was wanting to do. Right. Until I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Was there was there any part of you that felt like when you started? Did you tell your friends or did you kind of hide oh, no. it from your friends? You no, hit, yeah. I didn't tell anybody for six months. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't so much the apprehension or embarrassment of the making part because that part you felt like they'd be comfortable with. Oh, cool, Mike's yeah. making stuff. That's that's what people do, kind of a thing. Yeah. It was more for the was it like apprehension that like oh look Mike's really trying to get attention for himself kind. Of, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think oh, a lot Mike of it wants to be a superstar. No, I think that's a lot of what it is. Is like I don't want. I'm a pretty like reserved person in that in that sense. Um, once I get comfortable around people, I'm obviously kind of like loud and I like to joke around. But like when it comes to like actual like securities, is like I've got a weird thing where like I don't want people to think that I'm a huge dingus, you right. know. Um, and at the time, especially once I really started uh, diving into doing YouTube full time, I was leaving college to do it and for the majority of my friends uh it was either the most of them were either in uh training to become a firefighter or they're going to school for something right and i was the one of my friends that was like dropping out of school even though it was dropping out of school to be to like pursue a creative thing and to like try and make a business i was also the friend dropping out of college to make youtube videos you know know, you're right you know what's interesting i think is that you know, you're sort of mixing two things. One, you're mixing sort of like making with your hands, which yeah. is like sort of going out of style and is becoming increasingly less common. And you're mixing that with something that's in becoming more prevalent, which is like digital media and, you know, uh, digital uh, video production and those kind of things and social media. So like on one hand, you're like completely doing these things that are, are in some ways sort of disappearing right. from like everyday life. Yeah. But you're adding in uh, uh, these things that are, have just been emerging. Yeah. That being said, the part that I think is sort of uh, counterintuitive, but I felt almost exactly the same, is that I was totally comfortable with telling people the idea that I was making things and that was going to be part of my living. I'm going to work with my hands because that almost has this like cool feel. It's like, oh, you're an authentic person. You work with your hands. Yeah. Now, you don't want to be, you know, at the bottom end of that, like, a, you know, sort of digging ditches and making minimum wage. Right. Um, so, but the part that I was also apprehensive was the sort of saying, oh, I'm, I, I was very 
careful or very kind of worried about telling people that I, what I was doing on YouTube because I didn't, I felt self-conscious about telling people, hey, I want to build an audience for myself. Right. I want people to watch me. It's like how conceited is that? that right. That right. was like the hard part for me to do. And I think when I listened to uh, other YouTubers in our space, a lot of people have trouble with it. They have a hard time publicly saying, this is I my want business. Attention. Yeah. I want attention because we still don't fully, even though we know, like everyone knows like Facebook and Google and you know, which owns YouTube are, are massive companies. And so participating in this, these massive companies that own huge amounts of the, the world sort of business value <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be a kind of weird, unusual thing. It's, it's a very no nonsense thing. Right. But yet we're kind of apprehensive because we still associate it because we end up on camera as being like, oh, this is the me show. Yeah. I don't want my friends to see, hey, Ben's trying to make a show about himself. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's, that's a really interesting point. I think the, uh, the uh, we're just, sorry, I was waving in my, my dad. <laughs> Full disclosure, we're shooting at my parents' house in uh, just north of Santa Barbara. Shout out. Shout out to the parents. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing that the thing we were apprehensive about sort of disclosing at first was the sort of audience building and the new media part. Right. But we're totally comfortable kind of doing things that, you know, a practice yeah. that had largely been sort of... Exactly. I think it's like a thing is like kids in my generation, they all look at it like, yeah, my dad can build things. So right. it's cool. Like my dad can do that. Mm -hmm. So they have a certain respect for it or at least understanding, even if like the people that I know or my generation doesn't really work with their hands generations before them that they know do so there's a certain like validity that that's given it mm -hmm. but half of the people don't really know anything about doing social media as a career in the first place so even when you tell them I do YouTube or I do social media the first answer is what do you mean you right. know what I mean like it's not even that they don't respect it it's more that they just don't even understand it like you know what i mean they don't so even you, know how it could work you get a lot of the hey wait you actually make money on youtube yeah kind of questions yeah the first question is and you make money with that <laughs> which is funny because if you said you worked for google people will... mm. yeah they'd be like awesome congratulations yeah yeah i guess it's just like the media equivalent of like driving for uber <laughs> we <laughs> produce extent, video yeah. for for youtube and but yeah. there's also so all these other sort of sideways to do it as well so like, what were your sort of, if you had stayed within your sort of music college, yeah. what were sort of your career options? Like what kind of jobs would you? Uh, I probably would have graduated, uh, or I would have gone to school for two more years. In that time frame, I would have interned with uh, a producer or at a studio, got some experience, hopefully produced a couple albums in that time frame, and would have gone freelance. You can, you know, there's two routes to take if you're going into music production, either start a studio, do freelance work, or work for somebody with a studio. And what, what are people doing that in that area sort of make? Um, most people move, you know, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Most people go to California yeah. or go to New York, uh, go to Atlanta, yeah. Nashville. Atlanta, yeah. Nashville's really big. Yeah, Oklahoma, it's kind of natural to go to Nashville because of the country scene. Yeah. Um, That's not what you would have done, though. And I, hell no. <laughs> but I just knew, uh, I knew at some point I didn't want to do music, so I was kind of thinking about like what I could do instead. And I was making things a lot as a hobby, so it just seemed natural that I knew I wanted to do YouTube. I didn't know what capacity I wanted to do YouTube in, uh, 
but it just seemed natural to go into making things on YouTube. Awesome. So now it's like, now once you, at what point of like audience wise do you start to feel like, okay, I can tell my family. 100,000. 100,000. Yeah, for me too. Yeah. I mean, like that means you're legit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it is still a weird thing. It's even still a weird thing, especially where I'm from because of that response. When people say, what do you do? Social media or YouTube or whatever you say to that. The easiest thing is, I just tell people I build furniture. Like, if I go to the dentist and the person asks me what do I do, I say, oh, I build custom furniture, because they understand that. Right, which okay. is technically not true. Uh, like, it's yeah. not what you get paid for. No, not at all. <laughs> but it's just, if it, especially if it's someone that I'm not trying to explain how to make money on YouTube for 10 uh -huh. minutes, then I just tell them I make custom furniture. So, like, the, the decision seems to have worked well for you. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what sort of part like you're doing well, yeah. you live in a place that's very affordable. A hundred percent, yeah. And like, are you making more than you think most of your high school and college classmates? Yeah, um, the, the kind of baseline for a good wage, like a good living wage in Oklahoma, I would say is anything between 40 and 60,000, you're stable, you're set, you have no worries, right? Right, so you're close to double that or uh, somewhere in that ballpark? Yeah, without like talking specifics, somewhere about double, but my friends still, because I'm 22, my friends are either in school or they just got out of school. So they're either, there's three, there's three things. They either are in school and not making money, understandably. They either just graduated and have a shit job for 20K. Right. Or um, a couple people, obviously, that are just, I don't think any of my friends just are working fast food or anything like no. that. Um, but I have a couple, I have a couple friends that have started their own kind of businesses enough to support themselves, but not to, to make as much money as I'm able to. So yeah, the, the reason why I want to sort of use this line of questioning for, for like a one-on-one -on -one interview is cause we're made, we're kind of doing the same thing now. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at totally different ages, I mean like 17 years <laughs> older than you. Um, and we came about it like very different things. I mean, like yeah. for me, it's like I tried a whole bunch of things in both like design and sort of digital media. Um, and then sort of, this was more of a way to make life simpler. Yeah. I think it's sort of, you know, really interesting to hear your sort of decision-making and thinking of how you entered this thing, like as a, wait, you started when you were 20 or 20? 19, I think. Started when you were 19. Or, yeah, or at least I was planning it when I was 19. I don't know if I started yet. No, it, it's really interesting and it's not, I think it's going to be more common because what's doing, what's, what's awesome about it is that with very little capital yeah. in a location that, what I love about your story is that you're in it, you weren't in the best location. You no. weren't in San Francisco, New York, LA, Boston, or like one of these like, you know, major, major cities. Right. You didn't have any capital, Yeah. Uh, but you were able to create a very successful business that's growing. Your audience is like doubling every year. Yeah, more, yeah. more than, yeah. Um, and doing that with, with nothing in any location. And I think that's yeah. what's, what I always am so interested in is that people always talk about working in technology or in sort of like new media. They have to do it in Silicon Valley or they have to do it in Boston. I love that you did it in Oklahoma. And it wasn't because you were like, and, that, and I, the, the mistake I see when people in like places like where you're from try to do is say, oh, I'm going to create the next Facebook or stuff like that. I mean, great if they can, but that's kind of like, a, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, a, a reach. that's a home run swing. Yeah. Um, but I like how you, you took the things that were sort of like localized skill sets that you knew 
and you broadcast it, and, and you used the concrete things that you knew, yeah. and then you used the new media to amplify their reach and right. to create a new business model for those old subject matters. And I think so often people make the mistake that they try to throw away all the old and only do the new stuff, or they keep arguing that the new stuff isn't valid. And you like did the very sensible sort of blending of both, and are now like financially probably like way ahead of most twenty-two year olds. Most twenty-two year olds yeah. I know know own their own business, are making close or around the sort of six figures mark. And also, you get to do this. I mean, the part I'm jealous of. You're doing this in Oklahoma City, and yeah. I am jealous of what your cost of living. Uh, right. And so you were talking about kind of. I think you were talking about it being sort of unique in that I was able to do it in Oklahoma City, but it's almost the biggest asset that I had was doing it in o- Oklahoma City. Because you can City. save money. I can, I'm saving money more than I'm spending, you know? Yeah. So it, it really sets me up t- in the next year or two to really be able to do some of the like bigger plans that I've been uh, kind of planning or looking forward to and actually be able to realize them and right. not... So l- l- let's move to that, right? So okay. you, you, right now you have a small business yeah, you're making money. You're saving money. You're building a, a, a good-sized nest egg. Super cheap rent. Yeah. <laughs> so you're building that nest egg. Yeah. Right. And so you're you're acquiring capital. You're building your audience. Uh, so how are you going to spend that audience? And how are you going to spend that capital? Like what's what's going to be your path to sort of blowing this stuff thing up uh, bigger? Uh, there's a couple ways, uh, and it just. I don't know, it just depends on how things perform as I do them. And you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, I wanna see how time plays out. So there's the option of taking what I've built online and using that to, to build a business that's a little more physical in that I've always had the interest in flipping houses, renovating houses. It's great money and it's, and it's really good long-term because you don't necessarily have to flip a house to sell. You can flip a house to rent and then that's just money forever as long as you have the house. Right. And there's no reason that I can't do that on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. It works for HGTV. I'm sure it could work for YouTube. And so I've, I've done one room renovation. I've started my second one. And the first one performed great. The second one performed well. So I'm curious to see how that goes going forward. Mm-hmm. Because I think everybody, once you get to the point where you've built 70-something videos, you're kind of looking into what can I build that's big? What's right. like... Because, you know, as you work, the bar for like good the bar for not special personally kind of slowly raises you know what i mean your bar for yourself gets higher and higher yeah so you want to the whole goal is like personally is if i can impress myself with what i'm doing that's the goal because i think it'll impress other people as well and just building coffee tables is losing a little bit of that luster not in a not in a negative way but just in a way that's just natural i think that's just how people work if you build 10 coffee tables the 10th one isn't going to be as impressive to you as your first one was. Right. You don't have that all moment. And I think flipping a house for the first time would be a huge, like, holy cow moment, a huge sense of, like, satisfaction in myself, all that kind of thing. So there's the idea that I could go into something like that. There's the idea that I can uh, be able to move into, like, a real dedicated shop, not a shop that I'm renting and be able to really be able to build it out and kind of scale the production of what I'm doing, kind of the way you're scaling it. Right. You know, you've got, you're, you're building a team, right. which is really awesome. And uh, I was, I'm lucky enough to have been introduced to a couple people uh, while I was in college that are one of the few creative people that I've, you know, had the opportunity to meet where I'm from that 
have interest in what I'm doing and kind of want to be a part of it so long as I have the capital and the resources how, for it. How would you, if you were to hire people, what would you hire though? I've got a couple ideas. I want to do a couple series on, I got a couple different series I want to do. So I'm doing all these room renovations which require a lot of furniture for staging. That's the whole, the whole idea of what I'm doing is right now I'm producing videos for a bedroom because I'm renovating a bedroom. So I've got to build a bed, got to build a dresser, got to do a closet organization type video all within this uh, all within this bedroom video so aside from the bed aside from the closet organization a dresser is something that I have not that I have zero interest in it's almost that I have like negative interest in dressers are rough because all it is is just having drawers not be perfectly square and you're just like fidgeting with hardware is the worst thing for me and so a format that of videos that I've really wanted to do lately is working title Ikea hacks mm. where I take the like a cheap $80 dresser from Ikea that's unfinished pine and finish it in a couple different ways make one that's a real kind of posh mid-century thing that I know like a female audience would be really into uh, kind of with like a gold and brass or not gold and brass but like gold and white or brass and white kind of general aesthetic and then also in the same video do a more industrial aesthetic where it's like raw steel and maybe stain the wood mm -hmm. or like almost even distress the wood a little bit right. and kind of play into that industrial look and do all of that within one video and while I'm doing that I would love to have obviously a static camera like I have but I'd love to have someone working with a camera that way I can interact with the camera more I can talk to the camera I think that'll have a lot higher female demographic and I think that would perform well with that demographic hmm. Really, but like, okay, so, but if you do that, you're adding more expense, but right. per video. Per video expense, but, but I think the that, overall gain is worth it. How? It's a new demographic. Yeah, but it's really, the new demographic would be on the thumbnail, right? Like Where not, do you think DIY caps off at? Well, it, it, it's interesting, right? So I, I yeah. do think that there's... Because there, before I say that, I'm sorry. Yeah. DIY in, in in like the meat and potatoes of what modern builds is. I, I in the back of my mind, I've always had the the worry of where does that audience cap? I mostly off? agree with you, but I would say the I would say there's outcome interested people and process interested people. Exactly right. But how does a second camera person get you more outcome interested people? I agree with like what you're talking about design wise. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Right. But how does having better production because it's really just getting to click. Exactly. Your process is like, stuff is great. Right. And you have good stills. I think a lot of that is just, yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is just, I have a, like, creatively, like, I already, the dresser video, it's already mm -hmm. in my head. Right. right. I have, I've already, I can play it in my head. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be awesome to have a second camera. But really what it is, is I want to have, obviously, to start a second person that can, I hate writing articles more than anything on That's, the earth. Yeah. So, I, I just want to hire somebody that can run cam like just is generally gotcha. They're not necessarily creative. a camera person. They're not a camera person. They're just like they're my assistant. They're my yeah. They're my they're PA production assistant. Yeah. yeah, they're my PA. He can run camera during the day while we're or shooting. She. Or sh well, the person I have in mind, I guess, okay. is all I'm trying to say is he. Um, I can have him run camera, write the articles, and do a rough edit of the video. He can get all the clips in place. He can speed them up to the general speed they need to be to where I can just come in do a voiceover and fine tune it. That makes it. sense. So it's like a job. I, I think that, yeah. Because that all that's going to do sense. is free me up to make more content in the long term. So, so if I'm paying somebody 
per video, let's say, I don't even know what the number would be. Let's say for a video, if he's filming and editing it, I pay him 250, 400 bucks, whatever it needs to be. If I can pay him 250 bucks per video, but over the course of two months, make four more videos, I'm making a lot more than I'm spending and I'm doing a lot less of the stuff I don't like. Dig it, smart. Yeah. Also, I think the real estate thing's really interesting. I think it makes a lot of sense. Your, your room renovation videos are awesome. Oh, the, can, I, can I pause you one more time? Yeah. That segues into the, the other thing that I really want to be able to have a camera running is, it was something you told me in, in kind of in after a show or before a show, whenever I was first talking about the room, it was before I even started doing the room renovation, when I was talking about the idea of doing it. I was, I was thinking about doing it, mentioning it, mentioning it to you and how it might lead to flipping houses. And the one thing you said was, but the time you're putting into making media for it mm -hmm. could be taking away a lot of the profit from the actual flip because, right. because of the time, costs. yeah, the carrying costs with the time trade-off, you're paying an extra month of mortgage because you decided to make a video for it. So if I have, like, if I'm just flipping a house and I don't have to worry about the camera a bit, I can, it, that's going to, that's going to curb the, the, the slowing down of the process so much. Yeah, it, it, you, you need, right, for the flipping houses, you want to yeah. speed up the production so you're not waiting on production to slow right. down to flip. Right, so if, it, if, I'm, if I'm flipping a house and I'm doing a room renovation of, uh, of the bathroom, I just have someone following me around the whole day. Right. And when I need to tell them to ha make a specific shot, I can get that specific shot. But for the most part, hopefully over a month or two of working with him, he knows what I want for the, for the majority of it, and I just make sure I get what I need out of it. Yeah, the, the and it's the other, uh, sorry again, yeah. and then basically the same way in just normal furniture videos, I'm able to produce more, which pays for him. Right. If I'm able to make the flip faster and get more videos out of it and pay less carrying costs, all that money just goes to the, the to my homie. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd rather pay him than right. a mortgage company. No, that's that's interesting. Like uh, I also think that the other advantage of flipping would be sort of giving you more staging scenes. Absolutely. More things. And yeah. I also think the, the, if you want to expand your audience like in using Pinterest as a way to bring people over to the YouTube views is oh, that's why fully I was talking staged, about, that was why I was, staged rooms. That was why I was even bringing up the whole idea of like where does audience cap off. Right. Um, because if you look at it, this was something we talked about earlier, so if something's yeah. not new here. But it's new for you guys. Um, Bob from I Like To Make Stuff is a perfect example of diver diversifying his audience better than most people in our space. He makes prop videos, he makes welding videos, woodworking videos, general craft videos, all in one channel, and like electronics videos. Yeah. And obviously he gets a little bit of hate for it, but with the least amount of backlash I could have imagined. Yeah. Uh, like to be honest, when I saw him start doing props, when I saw him introducing a lot more Arduinos, I thought that would have been really negative for him. But I think it's just been, I don't think it's been, I think it's been a net neutral. It's not necessarily positive, not yeah. necessarily negative, but he's been able to grow a really big audience doing it. And what I worry is building DIY coffee tables, building beds has a certain audience size, but if I can start doing uh, Ikea hacks, I want to do a video, a video series called How to Make Art. Right. Um, that's just another, it's the same way Bob has interest in props. So he's able to bring in that so you're, 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 I can do that with other stuff. So one of the things I think is really interesting about the real estate thing relative to your interest in diversifying your audience is 
you can still do the same thing. You can still make furniture and improve rooms, which is what yeah. you've already done. But you can by doing whole houses, you can get still image content that's different than a lot of the stuff you're producing because you can show full room before and afters. Right. And when people are looking on Pinterest, they're not always looking for just one, hey, I need a credenza or I need a coffee table. They're looking for ideas. People literally make boards that go, ideas for the living room, yeah. ideas for the home office, ideas for that. So they're searching for, oh, mid-century modern home office or you know, yeah. farmhouse modern uh, a kitchen <laughs> or farmhouse modern living room, right? Exactly. And by sort of doing full room solutions, you're creating still image content that speak, and also maybe video tours and stuff to like that. To a different audience. <coughs> Excuse me. That uh, speak to the people looking for those full room solutions. Yeah. And I think that, and then they realize, oh wait, he didn't just buy all those pieces to decorate the room. He actually made some of the pieces. Yeah, uh, and that's a big point of even expanding into the whole idea of IKEA hacks, how to make art. Mm -hmm. These are all videos that feed room renovations. Right. I can I can buy a couple dressers from IKEA, paint them, add hairpin legs, or do cool. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll just talk about the dressers. Right. Uh, as like a case study. So for the mid-century modern dresser, what I want to do is paint it white. Uh, I don't know who's the first person to do it. I don't know if it's just one of those things that I've seen because it, you, you, one person did it, but no one really got credit for it, so other people have done it, and it's just kind of like propagated you know, through media, is taking aluminum, ugh, aluminum just angle mm -hmm. and then attaching that to the top of a drawer face, having that be a drawer pool. Mm. So with that, what I can do is paint the dresser white, attach those to the drop top of the drawers, paint them brass or paint them gold. The base for the dresser is cool in form, but it's just pine, right? Right. So what I can do is I can stain that like a nice walnut, make it look like a really nice mid-century piece. Mm -hmm. Then on the industrial one, I can swap out that base, put a six inch set of raw steel hairpin legs, and instead of painting the angle, or instead of painting the angle iron, I just leave it raw finish to match the legs. That right. gives me my like coordination, then I can stain it like a cool, like not a dark color, right. but just give it a little bit more brown yeah. than, than pine. And I can do that way faster than I can build a dresser from scratch. Right. So that's making my room renovations more efficient and also hopefully bringing in a slightly different not right. different audience, but a, yeah, I mean, I guess that is true. Like it's more reaching out to your design audience. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a, le a little less woodworking, but I think people that are into DIY can still yeah. respect it. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's why theoretically, that's why we want nice furniture is to make the room look nice. Exactly. So, so what's, uh, what are you thinking timeline? When are you going to start? When you want to try to, have you ever bought in a home before? No. Or? No, no, no. So be your first sort of... So there's a couple problems. Is The only credit history I have is uh, my student loans. Um, everything else I've ever bought has been cash. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really have a big credit history. So a lot of that just depends on when I have enough you cash to basically car? pay it out of pocket. So you're going to flip houses cash? Or use the cash to secure the, the mortgage? I think... In, in a few months, maybe about six months, I have enough money to flip for cash, like with cash. And that's because you earned it, not because you inherited it. Yeah, I didn't inherit anything. 
<laughs> no, that's impressive. I mean, to be 22 and to be able to buy. But a but houses. I mean, uh, an eight hundred thousand dollar house in, in Santa, Santa Barbara, Barbara yeah. costs thirty thousand dollars in Midwest City. Yeah. Well, but then there's also you know your, your beaches aren't quite as good. No, they're uh, they're on lakes and the lakes are brown. Yeah. You know so. Yeah, 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 it makes sense. Yeah. So though that's but still even the, the in the position to pay for an entire home at 22 cash with money you earned yourself is like it's pretty awesome. And no, it, I mean yeah, not it, to sound like conceited about it, but it, I mean it's it's a pretty big it. deal, it's and good. I'm pr- like I'm proud of it. Yeah. I guess yeah. It it is something to be proud of, and your parents are happy with it. They are now. They were, I mean, as any like parent would with a 22 year old that thinks he's going to quit going to college to make YouTube YouTube videos. Uh, Thank God I was able to kind of make it successful because that would have sucked if I didn't. Awesome, man. Well, it's, it's been a lot of fun watching your channel sort of blow up and uh, see you do all this awesome stuff. I appreciate it. Looking forward to, yeah, I think the real estate stuff is awesome. You need any, uh, you got any advice for me? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. My mistakes in real estate have been that my, my je- similar sort of drive, work ethic, sort of hustle is you, which is all great. Like, we're neither one of us is afraid to take on new projects that yeah. we haven't done before. We're yeah. both afraid. And aren't scared of risk. Right. That's the biggest part. We'll see. Is... Yeah, I could do that. Okay, I'll try that. Yep. With real estate, and it sounds like you won't make the mistake because of where you're looking at doing it, um, is... The mistake I made is like, oh, I could do that. And for my first real estate project, which did incredibly well, yeah. it was stressful at times because I was a little bit overextended. I tried to do the biggest project I could possibly do with the amount of capital I had. To kind of make a statement? Well, just because it seemed like, well, if I do a bigger project, I'm going to make more money. Right. So if I can put the time into it, why don't I do it to make a lot of money, right? Yeah. So the project turned out great, but there's a couple moments where it's like, almost all my net worth was tied up in this one project. And that's a little bit of what I'm scared of, especially flipping a cash. Is right. I'm going to basically dump all the money I've earned over two years, like hustling so, and risking it. And you're going to be doing physical labor yourself. You're going to be doing that. Yeah. So you're going to be having a, a million things going on. Yeah. You're going to be spread out all over the place. And the, the mistakes that happen there are like forgetting to get insurance or checking okay. or reading to find, am I insured for this? Yeah. If I hire someone to, to take out uh, construction waste out of thing, because that's not going to be good video footage, are they insured if they step on a nail right. and have to go get a tetanus shot, right? Yeah. So it's not overextending yourself financially and over time so that you can, because you know that you have a propensity for taking risk, yeah. you have to plan against that propensity. You have to work against your own tendencies and make sure you design in a way that you're going to save yourself kind of success. All those too. things yeah. and that. So that would just be one thing is build an extra time. Like even if it's just you put in your schedule, if I'm gonna flip a house, I want to spend three hours every Monday morning where I just evaluate what could be going wrong with my nest egg. Because yeah. if you're, especially if you're paying cash, all your money is going to be in this. Yeah. You know, and creating checklists of like, make sure you turn off the water, make sure the stuff on the job site doesn't get stolen, make sure you're insured for all those things to sort of protect. Because you wouldn't want all the time that you spent to sort of build up this sort of capital to then get just squandered. Right. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll figure it out and do it. Uh, Hope so. Awesome talking. For Love sure. doing the first uh, Water Maker podcast between co hosts in person. Yeah. And, uh, If you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, hit the like, 
ask some questions in the comment section. Yeah, I do that. I promise I'll read every single comment in the comment section and uh, give a answer to all well, plausibly sensible questions. And if you're on listening to us on uh, your iPhone or anything like that, just go ahead and leave us a review and on whatever sort of podcasting uh, outlet you're listening to. Yep. Thanks a lot. Bye, everybody.